Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Father, we do want to thank you for who you are. We need to thank you for who you are. Um, We can so often lose sight of who you are in the midst of circumstances, the breadth of circumstances that we find ourselves in, uh, in life and in death. And in this, Father, we want to pray that you will minister your grace and your peace, your comfort uh, to Judith and to Amanda and to their family, Father, to the grandchildren. Uh, through this time that this family would encounter um, your love, be assured of your peace, know your rest. We want to thank you for Ivan's life. We want to thank you for the love that he had for family. We want to thank you for the love that he had for you, that he knew you. Uh, And Father, we pray that in this time that Judith and her family would also know you and be reminded of your presence. Father, we do pray as we come into this time and into this space right now, there's plenty of other things that we could be doing. There's plenty of distractions Um, We know that some have uh, taken time to sit down, some might be catching glimpses of this service, of this message, some might be feeling they're not sure that they want to be here even. Uh, Father, we just pray that in this time that we would be reminded that you are with us, that you whisper new life into dryness, um, that you refresh us, that you bring forth new life for our families, for their children that you'd give a hunger and a passion for your word, uh, for those who have wandered away, for those who have ignored, for those who have been lost any sense of inspiration of gathering, Father, that you'd place a new spirit within us, that again we'd be drawn back to you to know you more fully and come alive in you. So in all this, we give you thanks and honour and praise. May our hearts and minds be open to receiving your word today. May the words of your spirit speak clearly and boldly to pierce through everything that we might Uh, that might prevent us from hearing from you clearly. In all this, we give you thanks and honour and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Most people I know love holidays. Uh, Most people I know love thinking about holidays. Some will think about going away and having grand trips, adventurous trips, being away for long periods of times or taking short breaks. Most people I know, whether they go away in a caravan or whether they go away in a motel or whether they stay with family and friends, love the sense of preparing for holidays. Holidays bring a great sense of expectation, a great sense of change from what we have known. Holidays help us uh, be refreshed and renewed. Uh, I know as a family, we've been away on holidays and we've stayed in motels, we've stayed in Airbnb homes, we've stayed in caravans and we've sat in caravans with four young kids while the rain has come. Remember those experiences for those of us who have travelled in caravans or tents, we've stayed on airbeds, um, we're in tents with young children. We remember our first camping trip and uh, our first camping trip, we set up the tent And it's just the whole new experience. And when we first had young children, there's something about staying in a tent that means children don't sleep very well. Have you noticed that going away, young parents? It just changes. The sounds are different. The environment's different. So that's always fun, hearing your children cry and feeling like the whole caravan park stays awake too. So this, all this planning, all this expectation, all this preparation of going away on holidays to be refreshed and to be renewed. And yet, there's nothing quite like coming home, is there? 
There's nothing quite like returning to the comfort of your own bed. It doesn't matter how comfortable the bed might have been in the motel or your family's house or wherever it might have been, whatever that might have been, there is nothing quite like coming home. There's something comforting, there's something welcoming, there's something peaceful about returning home. I know that many of us too, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're waiting probably with anticipation about government announcements as we watch this, as we think about this Sunday. What will uh, our Premier announce? Uh, I don't envy that man's position at all. I don't understand, I don't comprehend everything that's happened, but I don't have all the information about uh, the health issues and the crisis coming before me. So um, I don't envy our Premier or our Prime Minister at all. What a task to be able to lead a nation through this current situation with so many various opinions, 27 million opinions. Can you imagine trying to lead with that? And yet here we are, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We can see the possibility that we might be returning to something normal. We might even be returning to something of comfort. We might be returning to those moments where we can again go have the freedom to visit family and friends, where we have the freedom for our businesses to open, where we can have as many people in our homes, where we can share food, where we can gather even and return to church. And maybe it's not even simply about the church, the Sunday gathering, but it's also about the uh, weekly gatherings, the activities that we might be a part of on a week-to-week basis in our community groups or in our church groups, whatever that might be, the sense of comfort in returning to these experiences and these relationships. We get used, although some of us, sorry, some of us might be thinking, actually, I'm not sure it will be the same and I'm not sure I'm going to participate in the same way. What we've discovered over this season is that we've enjoyed a slower pace of life or that we've enjoyed a bit more breathing space or we've enjoyed not having the expectation to be there or do that or to have that in the same way. The nature of returning to will be very different regardless of what the decisions of the government might be making over these coming days and weeks. And yet, there's still hope, isn't there? We look for this light to the end of the tunnel. And yet, whatever we think we're returning to, the sense of comfort of what we have known in the past, what we have enjoyed in the past, I want to suggest today and over these coming weeks, we want to unpack what we might actually be invited to return to. What is it that God might actually be inviting us into? Is there something much deeper and richer that we need to be, um, I was going to say cautious, that might not be quite the right word, but we just need to be mindful that actually, please don't just return to the way things were. Because we all know the way things were might not have been ideal either. This time, if anything, has given us pause to reflect, to consider, to reimagine, to rethink. And I suspect as we return to, we'll find small things that will look around at some point and go, oh, that's not the same. That's a little bit different than I remember. Oh, this isn't as comfortable as once I thought. We might want to return to the way things like returning home or to the comfort of our own bed. And yet there might be some things that are just a little bit out of whack 
than what we remember because it's been such a long period of time. And I want to say that I think God might be inviting us into returning to something new. And today I want to explore this concept of what it means to be returning to the nature of holiness, being a holy people. What does that look like? And what is that? How is that expressed? Now, if you're, uh, we're going to read uh, sections of 1 Peter chapter 1 and into chapter 2 today. You can download that on the um, Version Bible app. Look up the Horsham Church of Christ under events, or maybe you can get out a Bible. Or just take notes and look at it later and go and explore it later. And I would encourage you to read through 1 and 2 Peter as just beautiful expressions of let, um, letters to, to people, to the local church as it was first established and the lessons that we can learn today. And if you're new to church, if you're exploring out who, who Jesus is, maybe you've never been to church, but somehow in this season, you're asking bigger questions. Uh, what does it look like to participate in life? What is the purpose of life? Where, where do I fit? How do I participate in this? Uh, maybe this is your first time and maybe you're still exploring who Jesus is. We want to invite you to be a part of transforming our community in the name of Jesus. As a church, we seek to be in relationships that are present, authentic, courageous, and generous. And so we want to invite you to respond as well. And there's the opportunity to do that later on. So whether you're new to faith, new to church, exploring, or whether you're a faithful follower of Jesus over a long period of time, we hope that this series invites us in to something deeper and richer as people. So let us examine, let's read the text first. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, the first couple of verses, I'm going to read a couple of sections and then just have a couple of moments of reflection. Um, and don't, don't worry too much if you don't understand words or understand sentences, that's okay. Um, I don't understand it all, I'm not here as an expert, but as a learner along the way as well. So Peter opens up this letter and he says, Peter, uh, so he introduces himself. Uh, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus, he says. Now, an apostle is simply one who has been sent out, one who was sent out with purpose, with intent to start something new. And in this case, it was the starting of the church. He was an apostle to start the church. And then he goes on to God's elect, those who are strangers in the world, scattered throughout. And then he names half a dozen provinces, areas that are now modern Turkey. Um, I don't know that off the top of my head. Other people smarter than me have written that down and that's I'm not geographically minded. So you can see that for yourself. But it's now modern Turkey. And he goes on in verse 2, uh, to God's elect who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. There's a few things here. Uh, he starts with a reminder or sorry, an introduction of who he was that um, we've already uh, unpacked a little bit and there's a little bit more in that. But what he also says is that he reminds these people, the early church, of who they are. He reminds them of who they are. And I think this is critical because every now and then we need someone else to speak a truth into us of who we are, especially in difficult circumstances. 
The difficult circumstances can begin to shape us and define us and we begin to become identified by difficult circumstances. And particularly uh, in many ways, uh, for many of us, we have difficult circumstance after difficult circumstance after difficult circumstance. I don't know why that is. I can't explain them all. I don't know why some seem to have more difficult circumstances than others. The world is rough sometimes, isn't it? And quite frankly, it can stink. There's no doubt about that. But that doesn't change. The circumstances that we go through doesn't change the nature of who we are in God and how God views us. The nature of being sanctified is that we are continually being made right. We are continually being made uh, restored into the presence of God, welcomed into the presence of God, shaped by the presence of God. God is continuing to mould us. It's a beautiful work that continues to happen through the lens as we have it now as the light through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's incredible, beautiful work. Now, we might hear this word by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus and we go, man, that's a bit gory. That's a horrible thought, isn't it? It might be, except there's power in the blood of Jesus that restores, renews and heals in a way that nothing in this world does. And the real power in the blood of Jesus is in the fact that it has to be through his blood, through his death, that the resurrection comes. We'll unpack that over the next period of time. So stay with me. Stay with me. Um, <clears throat> See, we know what it's like to be scattered at the moment. We might not have been scattered and we're certainly not experiencing persecution in the same way. Jared mentioned last week that uh, the letter was written to uh, the Roman, sorry, the book of Romans or the letter to the Roman church was written to a group of people who are under persecution by the Emperor Nero. And this is essentially what's happening here. These people are scattered because of Nero the emperor who is burning Christians at the stake for his garden parties, just for his entertainment, um, because he thought it was fun. That's essentially the kind of person that he was. No wonder these people were scattered. And I know that many of us feel scattered. We might be scattered because of the pandemic, but we might even feel scattered because of our circumstances. People don't understand our circumstances. People don't know that we've gone through. Maybe we feel more isolated. Maybe we feel more in despair because the circumstances that we were going through before um, restrictions and lockdown have now been amplified. So now we feel more scattered. Incidentally, there's more opportunities. Even before the announcements that might be uh, made today on Sunday, you can gather with a group of friends of 20 outdoors and you might be able to go with them with an iPad or a couple of iPads and watch the service outdoor. Invite a few people to a picnic and invite them along and start reconnecting, re-engaging, re-imagining the dynamic and the power of the church and the sharing of the good news of the church. And essentially what Peter is saying here is what does the church look like in the midst of this being scattered? What does this mean for those who declare Jesus as Lord when we are facing such horrific circumstances, when we are facing such challenge, such blockages, what does this mean for the early church? And I think we could ask the same questions today. What does this mean for us? What will this mean for us if we can't gather in our buildings even? Does this take away who we are in Jesus Christ? No, it does not. Do we need to rethink and reimagine who we are and how that is expressed in our community? Yes, 
it will. Do we hope that we will gather again? Yes. I don't know what that looks like and I don't know what that, uh, how that will be expressed or when that will be happening. But doesn't take away the power of who we are in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. See, through the, um, remember that you're chosen. Uh, and that's not about your salary, that's not about your history, that's not about your political leaning, that's not about your gender, that's not about your skin colour. You are chosen because of the work of Jesus who reveals the nature of God as our Creator and as a Heavenly Father. What a great gift. See, through the blood of Jesus, what we know here is that Jesus has suffered an injustice. It wasn't right, it wasn't fair. And yet he was willing to do that to show to the world a different way of thinking and being. In a world that was volatile, in a world that was driven by military power, in a world that was driven by greed and um, economic um, riches. Sound familiar? (laughs) Jesus shows us another way to express and participate in the fullness of life. See, the, the cross becomes the lens through which we look and participate in our circumstances and experience our circumstances. So the hope we have is in the knowledge that while cross points to suffering, we know that the cross is not the end of the story. I thought it was worth picking up here this one sentence that Peter says, grace and peace in abundance to you. Can you imagine hearing that? As a church that's persecuted, as a church that's at risk, essentially has their lives at risk at the whim of an emperor. And Peter starts his letter by saying grace, that is receive an undeserved gift of love and peace to you in abundance. Some translations say may grace and peace be multiplied. If I read that as an early church being scattered, I'd be looking around and I I think I'd want to punch Peter, quite frankly. What do you mean this grace and this peace? Can you see that we are not in the midst of peace? This is not a peaceful situation. How dare you? How dare you? And I suspect many of us in our circumstances, if someone came up to you and said in the midst of your circumstances, grace and peace be abundance to you, I suspect you'd probably want to punch me too. And yet, let's examine this. This is Peter. This is Peter who, uh, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of growing, in the midst of becoming a fisherman into a follower of Jesus, he declared Jesus as the Messiah, the Lord of his life, the Son of the living God. And then he was told by Jesus, these are the words that Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you don't have in mind the things of God but the things of man. (laughs) Peter understood what it was to struggle and to wrestle with this high concept. This was Peter who declared his willingness to follow Jesus to death and then betrayed him. This was Peter who was um, restored by Jesus, welcomed back into relationship by Jesus, not because of anything that he'd done, but because Jesus loved him and wanted to demonstrate his love after the resurrection. This was Peter, incidentally, who also swiped at a a servant's ear when they came to arrest Jesus. Peter knew what conflict was. He understood what it was to rage against the world. And Jesus constantly says to him, there's another way here, brother. There's another way here. And so you see that Peter, after the resurrection of Jesus, he gets sent out and he becomes one of the most dynamic and powerful communicators of the good news amongst the early church and amongst the Jews of the time. Grace and peace indeed. He understood. He wasn't saying it as a pithy kind of statement. 
he understood there was something deep that needed to happen in his heart. And it was only because of what had happened in him that he was able to offer it to him in a volatile and to offer it to the early church into a volatile um, world that was in upheaval. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Incidentally, Jesus says this in John 14, verse 27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then again, Jesus says, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And that was as he was on the way to the cross, to the knowledge of what he was about to go through. And he was able to say, I have overcome the world. Now, maybe that's what you need to hear today. You can switch off, you can stop, just go and soak in that word for your circumstances. In this world, you will face many troubles, but take heart. Know the peace of Jesus. He has overcome the world. Because I think we see his peace as without conflict. <laughs> there isn't any conflict. I think Peter is actually saying there's something much deeper and richer in the work of Jesus, a greater peace. Stanley Hewos. I apologise if I haven't said his name right. I read this quote over the recent weeks. Jesus did not come to make us safe, but rather to make us disciples, citizens of God's new age, a kingdom of surprise. And see, I can't help but wonder through this season and even prior to this season, and you would have heard me if you've been listening to me or in conversation with me, the gospel is not about simply just showing up to church on Sunday. The gospel is not simply about being comfortable, but it is demanding and it is costly. And it is meant to be something surprising. And I can't help but wonder if the world doesn't look at the church anymore and is surprised by us. The world was certainly surprised by the way that Jesus lived. The world was certainly surprised by the way that the early church behaved. But I wonder if the church now is about offering and ushering in a new way of thinking and being. And I think that's the call for us, return to holiness. So let's keep going. Uh, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. So there's something to come who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So there's something that is, we've kind of got a fuzzy view around it, if you like. Um, and he keeps going. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, 
that is Jesus. You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So this is a practical and current reality. There is something yet to come. But the salvation is a practical reality, not just about waiting for this eternal life where we can just sing with the angels in heaven. It's actually something being worked out now in the midst of circumstances. So jump ahead then to verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now that language comes from slavery language, the call out of slavery. It's Exodus language. It's the people of Israel being called out. And it's not about, again, it's not about what they had achieved. It's not about what they'd accomplished. It's not about their status because they had none. They had none. It was God who called them out and said, I am holy. I want you to know the fullness of who I am. And in that, you are holy. When you enter into a relationship, you are set apart with me. Whew. What a gift. What a beautiful, incredible gift. And any time that we gather or any way that we gather, that is purposed and designed to press us deeper into the holiness of God. It's not just about our safety. It's not just about our comfort. It's not just about us feeling good because we sing the songs that we want or gather in the way that we want. It's about pressing deeper into the knowledge and the power of God. It is being set apart to live and proclaim his hope. This is true if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long period of time. It's not about sitting in ivory towers. I feel like when we think about setting apart, that means we can sit there and go, I am right, you are wrong. Maybe even we've been so brutal to say, well, we know I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. You know, even holiness has had a particular look. If you don't look the same as me, if you don't behave the same as me, Maybe you're not as holy as me. That's not at all what the scriptures say. It's not even what Jesus says as we read through the Gospels. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and you can point, and maybe your experience has been, yes, Christians have been terrible. Whoa, 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 stop right there. There's no place for that either. <laughs> That's being just as judgmental as what you might be complaining about of Christians. So Jesus actually invites you. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've wandered away, this is not about getting your life in order. This is not about um, having everything together. And maybe you're thinking, I'm too far gone. I can never be holy. Yes, you are. Yes, you can be. Because of who Jesus is. When we come into him, he sets us apart. He looks at us through the life, death, and resurrection God the Father looks at us through the life, death and resurrection, the work that has been completed, and he says, I set you apart in my love. Now come and walk with me, learn from me, grow with me. What a gift. What a gift. And as we do that, it becomes a pointer and an invitation to a community.
I think these are some of the most powerful words in Scripture in chapter 2, verse 9. That Peter's talking about the capstone and how Jesus causes a stumbling block and an uncertainty for people and religious people who have imagined God to operate a certain way and they discover that actually in Jesus, God is operating a different way than what they expected. And then he says this in verse 9, But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, some of us might be going, what darkness? I don't live in darkness. I don't know. Are we slave to shame? Are we slave to condemnation? Are we slave to past abuse? Are we slave to past thought patterns that we haven't been able to overcome? Are we slave to having um, keeping up with the Joneses? Are we slave to having more money? Are we slave to having status and importance in our place of employment? Are we slaves to... I think anything that you think is actually stealing or killing or taking life away from you is an indication of where we're slaves. And it's Jesus who wants to set us free and that we can walk in his wonderful light. So he goes on. Once you were not a people in verse 10, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That is, that you haven't um, suffered the consequences of the decisions you've made. You've received something that you, didn't, you did nothing to earn. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, or those desires that don't reflect the heart of the Father, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans or those who don't believe in Jesus or believe in God that you, they, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. See, there's a direct correlation here between participating in the holiness and recognising that we are made holy through the work and the glory of God revealed in Jesus and the way that we live our lives. People need to look at the followers of Jesus, meant to look at the early church, the church, and go, there's something happening here that I don't see anywhere else. There's a way of thinking here. There's a way perhaps of justice and of mercy and of grace, of love. There's a way of engaging in conversation. There's a way that they treat each other. There's a way they respond to difficult circumstances that I don't see anywhere else. And it takes my breath away, it catches me off guard. I need to discover more about this. So the scattering of the church wasn't caused to shrink back. The scattering of the church wasn't to long for the days of old, but it was to remember who you are in Christ. And in doing so, it actually causes momentum and a shift in the community. It actually causes people to question what is happening here and it shifts then the atmosphere or the tone of the community. Catherine Booth, uh, wife of founder of Salvation Army, William Booth, uh, says this, There comes a crisis, a moment when every human soul which enters the kingdom of God has to make its choice of that kingdom in preference to everything else that it holds and owns. See, we are in a moment in history 
As much as we've been talking about this moment, this pandemic like we've never known before, I think the movement back into will be just as critical. The movement of returning to those things that we have loved and enjoyed will be just as critical for us. We are in a moment in history where we are seeing more and more the distinction of two kinds of powers, one that is transformative and one that is destructive. And the invitation that Peter leaves with us is the invitation of Jesus that he's experienced, that he's participated in, and now because of his relationship with Jesus, he's able to say, you can know what it is to be holy. You can know what it is to return to holiness, not by your works, not because of what you've done, not because of how powerful you are, not because of the influence that you have, but because of who Jesus is and what he has revealed and what he has done. It's an invitation for us to walk in his ways. And that's the invitation I want to make for you today. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and there's some things in here that you've been convicted of. I want to invite you to go through and just maybe you need to write those things down or just to set yourself aside from the busyness and the fullness of the day and just go into a quiet space between you and God and confess some things. And to know it's not, don't focus on the things you need to leave behind, but see the light and participate and find the joy in the light that God is calling us into. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet and maybe you're questioning this and maybe today is the day where you say, you know what, I've wrestled and I've struggled and I've grieved and I've ranted and I've raved and I've not been able to lay these things down by doing it myself and maybe it's time to lay down and come into this holiness that Jesus invites me into. We want to invite you to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and to focus on the holiness that he calls us into, not to make you better than everybody else, but in a sense that he, you, we discover the truth of who we are and we're reminded of who we are in him and because of him. May you know the increase of the gift of grace, the undeserved love and favour of Jesus. May you know peace despite the circumstances that you might be finding yourself in at the moment because you set your hope on the life, death and resurrection of Jesus.